Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin the season of Lent, we turn our attention to the temptation that Christ endured on our behalf. And it's good for us to do that because we understand that in order for Christ to die on the cross and pay for our sins, it was necessary for him to have no sin. Whenever temptation came upon him, he had to reject giving in to that temptation. Consistently, repeatedly, every single time throughout his life so that he might be a perfect human being, true God and true man, so that he might die and pay for our sins and not for his own. And that's very important. And it is important also for us to understand that not giving in to temptation was not a slam dunk for Jesus. This is not just something that was never an issue. He was tempted in every single way that any other human being has ever been tempted. The temptations were temptations that bit into him sorely, just like they bite into us sorely. And yet Jesus did not give in, whereas we, unfortunately, have given in. We have given in repeatedly. He was strong where we have been weak. And that's important for us to understand. And we have that reading from Genesis that helps put this into context for us. For here, we hear how God had created Adam and Eve, right? He had put them in the garden. And he put a tree in the garden of which they were not to eat. And it's very important to understand that this tree played an important purpose for Adam and Eve. For everything that they had from God was good. Every tree was good. All the animals were good. They were good. Everything was completely, fundamentally, and thoroughly good, including they themselves. And yet there was one thing that they were not supposed to have. Now that tree in and of itself was good. There's nothing wrong with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a good tree. But God had said, you come to this point and then stop. You may not eat of this. And so every single time they passed by that tree, looked at it, smelled its aroma, saw the fruit, they remembered God's command, you shall not eat. And at that point then, they had to have faith. They had to have faith that when God told them not to eat of this tree, that he was still being good. Even though it was a good tree, a delicious tree, a, a beautiful tree, an enticing tree, they would look at that and they would say, this God said no to. And I believe that if he said no to it, that he is being good. And they, they had to have faith in God at that point. 
And so Luther would say that when Adam and Eve wanted to go and worship God, they would go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they would stand and look at it and they would say, Lord God, you have made all things good and you have made this tree and you have said, here we should stop and not partake. And we believe you, God, that what you said is true and good. And thus we praise you. We praise you and receive the good things you have given and reject the bad things that you say to avoid and we trust you. And so the tree gave them an opportunity to express faith. That's good. They trusted God. The serpent comes along and presents it in such a way that Eve no longer trusts God. You will not die. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, all of us know what's good and all of us know what is evil. And we understand that that which is evil is not just a concept. It's something that comes into you because we are human beings and cannot uh, control this evil. Satan comes and draws us into sin, draws us into death, draws us into pain. And that which is evil is not simply a concept that we know. It is something that we have become. The evil in the world is bitter, painful, tempting nonetheless. We see the things that are around us that we should not have. We see the things that God has said no to. And fundamentally now we don't trust him. We don't trust him to say that that thing that looks really good, that thing that I really want, is something I shouldn't have. And I'm going to trust God and not take it for myself. In our own nature now, we don't trust God. We love the things that we should not have and we hate the things that we ought to love. This is the result of that sin. And when Jesus came, he never gave in to any of those temptations. He had the strength that we don't have. He had the wisdom that we lack. And he had the trust in his Father, which we have rejected. And so every single time he saw something that looked good, that he could have had, he did not take it. He instead received only that which his father gave him and trusted him in every place. In doing so, he could go to the cross for you. He could die for you. He could take your sins for when you loved that which you ought not and received that, took that which you should not have, he could forgive all of those things and he took your sin into his flesh and he paid for them all. Thanks be to God. He rose from the dead. He gives you eternal now you walk through this world. You are on a journey and you're walking with Christ. And when you, as a forgiven child of God, encounter something that tempts you, something that you ought not have, something you know God said no to you and yet you still want it, now you can go to Jesus and you can tell him about it. And you could say, Lord, I'm really feeling weak. 
because I really want this thing I know I'm not supposed to have. And I really want to do this thing you said not to do. It looks good. It feels good. It smells good. It looks delicious. I want to partake, but you said not to. And so, Lord, I ask you to help me because you know what it's like to feel this way. You were in the exact same place I'm at. You were tempted by the thing that tempts me, and yet you didn't give in. But Lord, I am weak. I am not strong. And so you go to the throne of grace because there at the throne of grace sits Christ your Lord. And he gives grace. That means he gives you forgiveness for the times you have sinned. And he gives you his mercy to help you in time of need. And you go to him, to the throne of grace, and you go to him with confidence. You're not afraid. You're not like coming close to him, not wanting to look. You're not coming close to him, afraid he's going to reject you. You come with confidence to him. You fall on your knees before him and you ask for help and you know you will receive it from him. Forgiveness and grace. So that you find mercy and help in time of need. The beautiful thing about being a baptized child of God is that God is not far off. God is not gone. God has not forgotten you. God is a God who stays with you, who loves you, who helps you, and is present unto you. You go to him, and he's there. You go to him in weakness, and he helps you. That's a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful way to live. Because Christ came and entered into the curse, bore it in his flesh, so that he might set you free. And now, in him, you are free. But not because you are perfect, but because he forgives you and he, the perfect one, walks with you, helps you, loves you. This is the gift, the gift and grace of Christ, and we praise him. Amen. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.